Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is episode six of The Pickup. I'm your host, Dan. I'm joined by all three of my co-hosts tonight. We got Jonathan, Jack, and Ben. We're going to touch on a variety of off-season topics today. We're going to touch on if the Clippers should blow up their team after kind of a dramatic playoff fail. We're going to touch on which duo is most likely to break up, Harden and Russ, or Embiid and Simmons. We're going to ask about two specific franchises, the Boston Celtics and the Portland Trailblazers. Who is more likely to make a move after the seasons they had? And then we're going to touch on two key possible free agents, not this season, but next season that could get moved. Does Oladipo stay in Indiana? Does Giannis stay in Milwaukee? So for our first segment today, we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. Obviously, they were the preseason favorite um, in 2019 to win the championship. Almost everyone had them as the favorite to win. And um, almost everyone was shocked by the feat that the Denver Nuggets gave them, especially how it happened. Blown a 3-1 lead to Denver, not even making it to the conference finals. So um, a lot of uncertainty surrounds that franchise. And everyone's talking about our main question today is, should the Clippers blow it up? Um, I was already kind of shocked that Doc left. Obviously, he's had a couple um, playoff collapses in his career, but he's still a good coach. And with Kawhi and Paul George already on limited contracts, throwing in now a new coach, Ty Lue, even though he was an assistant, but obviously he's now going to be the head guy having to control that locker room. Um, I just think it's a tough, another hurdle that they're going to have to get through. So I'm kind of surprised that they're making that coaching change. Um, I don't think they should blow it up, especially considering Paul George and how he played. His trade value is probably at an all-time low. I don't know many franchises who would give up a ton of capital for Paul George after what he just performed like in that playoff stretch. And then I see, baby. He still has value, and he's a two-way win, right? But it's just like after that run, especially – following up his run in OKC where he was a top three MVP finalist, it was just shocking. So I don't know if the Clippers were to move him now, they just wouldn't get what he's truly worth, which is why I don't think they should blow it up. Um, I think they can maybe make some better additions on role players, maybe get a better point guard in. Um, but I think ultimately they're pretty much going to be running it back with the same team um, just with now a new coach. So I, I do not think they should blow it up. I think they should pretty much just buy into these two guys. That's what they signed and brought them here for and see what happens, um, in this next season. Maybe this collapse will serve as fuel. Yeah. I'm going to agree with Dan there, especially because Paul George and Kawhi have outs in their contracts and what maybe after next season, if not the year after that. So I don't think there's really, I don't think there's a lot you can actually do there. Um, Kawhi asked to play with Paul. If he asks you something differently, then I can see him getting moved then this offseason. But I think you have to just do what Kawhi wants. It's what they've been doing. The other players are complaining about the load management, but Kawhi deserves that treatment. He's proven he can win somewhere. His run in Toronto was the reason he got the money he did. It's the reason he got recruited as hard as he did. The guy's a winner, and this season was underperformed uh, to say for their expectations, especially with all the billboards and advertising, but the team is still very competitive. Let's not act like they were the two seed for the regular season. The playoffs did not go as expected, but over that collective stretch of games, even with all 
the talk about how they were like inconsistent. They did finish as the two seed. So I think we could see a totally different team. Paul George has to step it up. Those playoffs are unacceptable from your number two. You had young players and Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, like all performing better than he did. And so they need more from Paul George. And he needs to be able to play off the ball of Kawhi. And Kawhi sounds like he wants a point guard in there to just run the show for the both of them. So it'll be interesting to watch kind of what they do. Um, I wouldn't be completely shocked if Harold or Lou gets moved. Mm. I think that could be interesting because maybe there's just too many mouths to feed. Mm. Um, And I don't think Paul or Kawhi gets moved. I think you're going to run that back because we can joke all you want about playoff P. But that's one of the top duos in the league still. I mean, it was just really surprising. I don't care what anyone says. Like, the way the Clippers lost to the Nuggets and blew a 3-1 lead was absolutely shocking. Like, nobody truly expected them to just completely fall apart like the way they did. I think there were signs of it, absolutely. Um, Paul George, I mean – and already touched on it, didn't play up to the standards um, that he set for himself. Um, you know, and I think the main issue with the Clippers was they just didn't have that chemistry from day one. And a lot of that comes from all the load management they had, um, whether it was Kawhi or Paul George being hurt the first part of the year, or they just didn't have guys that um, were able to play together and get a feel for uh how they play off each other. And plus, I mean, you look at a team like the Lakers, um, you compare uh, their role players to the Clippers role players. Um, most, most of those guys on the Lakers aren't much better, if at all, than the guys on the Clippers. It's just the Lakers chemistry was so good that uh, you didn't even notice. Uh, while the Clippers, it just, they had, um, you know, you got one top five player. Uh, and then you got a guy who's top 15, top 20, and they just didn't fit together the way they should have. And, I mean, ultimately, what do you do with that? I think the Clippers got a few options. I mean, it was surprising to see Doc leave so early, but at the same time, he's had teams before uh, that haven't gotten – uh, where they should have. I mean, you had Chris Ball, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, those teams, Lop City. Um, they they blew some series as well and never got to the conference finals. So um, we'll see what Ty Lue can do. Obviously, he got that championship with LeBron and Kyrie in Cleveland. Um, and, you know, we'll see if under a new direction the Clippers can do something. Um, but, yeah, this next season will be very telling on if that duo can work together and truly make some noise in the playoffs and just get them to the conference finals. Like, come on. <laughs> At least. <laughs> the, the only thing I'll say is that I think the only way they, they blow it up is if they know one of them is leaving after 2021. Um, because you can't let them go for nothing. You just can't. Now, I've always been under that mindset. I'm in the same mindset with Giannis as well. And we'll touch on that later, but you cannot let, because what you gave up, you're never going to get back. I get that, but you can't let either one of them walk out the door for free. Um, 
that's the thing. And I like Ben's point. Um, maybe Lou or, or Montrez get, gets moved. Um, I mean, Lou's old. I, I mean, you know, like he's aging. Now he has an old man's game, let's be clear. It's going to age well. He's, he's a certified scorer. I loved him back on the Lakers when we were actually good. But, um, you know, he, 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 could, he could go fetch you even a draft pick or, or something younger. Um, and Trez, obviously, um, you know, he's, he's all energy. He's, he's all hustle. Um, and you know, yeah, maybe he gets moved and maybe he can fetch you something. Um, but I just, you know, it's the Clippers always scared me. Um, I can openly admit that. And, um, I think they got too focused on beating the Lakers and not what was right in front of them. Um, they built a team to beat the Lakers and it would have been a dog fight in seven games between both of us. Absolutely. Um, no doubt about it. Um, but they didn't pay attention to what was right in front of them. Um, and they got beat by a, a, a young duo that, um, as long as they keep progressing, uh, Jamal and Jokic can be around for a long, long time. And to continue on with our theme of blowing it up for this, for this couple few, first few segments, sorry. Um, we're going to talk about which duo is more likely to break up. We got James Harden, Russell Westbrook, or Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And for me, like, is it too much to ask for both of them to break up? Like, <laughs> just, just being honest here. Um, but Harden and Russ, I feel like is less likely to happen right out of the gate, just because with the Steven Silas signing, I feel like, and especially with Maury leaving Houston, I feel like they're not going to do a, like a really flashy move right off the bat. Um, I think they're going to see what Silas can maybe uh, gel into that offense with those two guys because they did have a really good regular season together. Um, Westbrook was a little beat up going into playoffs, so he wasn't completely healthy. But um, if you have those two guys, you're going to at least be a playoff contender if you just get the right pieces around them. So depending on what offense uh, Silas brings in there, I feel like Harden and Westbrook are a little bit safer to begin with. Um, and especially with now Maury, the GM in Philly, that dude will not sit on his hands. So I think out of any of the duos, I think with Doc there, maybe they'll kind of see, okay, what can Doc do with this group? Those two guys, maybe he can make something happen that Brett Brown couldn't. But I think if anything's going to happen, Embiid and Simmons is more likely to break up than Harden and Westbrook right off the bat. And I say, I say both only because I know Maury is going to be hungry to try to get James Harden in Philly, if that's even remotely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we have to choose one right here, I'm going to go more likely Embiid and Simmons to break up. What about you guys? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, go ahead. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I just, it's Maury. Like, the guy's made the most moves since he took over as GM there. Like, he is bound to make more. It's, it's just inevitable. And the city loves Embiid so much. Uh, Simmons has just been the same player since he's entered the league. So it'd be interesting to see if a team kind of hits on what we all think could be a possibility as far as building a team solely around him. Mm-hmm. If another GM sees that and kind of wants to run with it. Um, but it's it's got to be Maury. Like, he got hired there. He'll make something work. Maybe it's not 
the two big names right away, but I would not be surprised if he somehow takes a situation where we all think they're stuck with those contracts and finds a way out of it. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more there, Ben. I mean, I think, I think we're about to see the open market for Ben Simmons. I mean, it's going to open. And let me tell you something, you know, we make a lot of jokes and he can't shoot. Um, any team would pay top dollar, a top dollar package to have that man running, running their team. Um, he's absolutely incredible. Um, he is the Magic Johnson-esque Lamar Odom, modern day, however you want to blend them together. Um, but it just doesn't – we touched on it on the pod before. It just does not work between both of them, it, it, whatever reason. I mean, it's spacing and it's all the other things. But, you know, um, I think you're right, Ben. Maury will find a way if it's with Simmons and Tobiscuit or, or with Simmons and, and, and Al Horford um, to just – get rid of a contract plus get something back for, for, for big Ben. Um, and, to, and to the Rockets point, um, while I do think, you know, maybe something does happen, I, I'm with you, Dan, that, um, I mean, it actually did work this year with both of them. Um, they were good. They were a good team. They got to the playoffs. Um, they beat, they, they got, they gave the Lakers one game. Um, and, 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 you know, that's, that's a big deal. I do think um, they're going to push the free agency market hard for a center. They have to. Um, AD absolutely exposed whatever they thought they had in PJ Tucker and Robert Covenant. Not that those two players aren't great. I mean, I'd love either one of them on my team, uh, but they need a center. They, they need something at least that's not 37 year old Tyson Chandler. Um, what do you think, Jack? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think that for whatever reason, like the Simmons and B duo just doesn't work and it's played out at this point. Um, Ben touched on it, but the issue with Simmons is that he's practically the same player as he was when he was drafted. And, you know, as um, NBA players, you would hope they develop and improve and uh, make weaknesses or strengths as they go on through their career. And the issue with Ben Simmons is that um, he just can't shoot consistently um when he needs to and this is a shooter's league now and uh you can't really get away with that at this point um in the right position uh in the right scenario with the team maybe I mean ideally you'd hope you become a better shooter but I just don't see it continuing to work in Philly as long as he's with Embiid and um I definitely agree that uh they're the one that needs to break up first before Harden and Westbrook I mean you look at Hearn and Westbrook, and they're uh, two former MVPs, uh, extremely explosive duo. I think Westbrook uh, got a tough break, um, you know, catching COVID before the bubble, injuring his quad. Um, you know, you just don't have that same explosiveness or whatever happens when you catch COVID. I mean, I don't envy that position. Um, but he had a run in the regular season where, you know, he looked like, he was putting it together. Um, he looked like one of those top point guards in the league. So um, I do think that that duo has potential if they get a center because clearly small ball didn't work when you're going against uh, Anthony Davis, arguably the best big man in the league. Um, it just didn't work. Um, so, you know, we'll see what they do on the market. Um, as long as they keep that duo together, um, sign some more pieces, get a big man 
for God's sake. <laughs> and, um, you know, see what they can do from there. I'll say the only way I see Simmons and Embiid staying together, and this will be interesting with Doc, and you said that, you know, what can Doc do is if Simmons moves to the four permanently and they find ball handlers. That's the only way they stay together. And I think that's really interesting, actually. Um, if Simmons actually goes to the four and then he all of a sudden is this like Lamar Odom 2.0, but even way better than Lamar ever was. Um, and then they go sign, I don't know, I, I don't know, let's pick like a, like a, a Rajon Rondo or a Goran Dragic or someone like that as their point guard. And then somehow convince a team to take Tobias or Al's conf, uh, contract. Then you have a dangerous group of guys. But if Simmons is not willing to do that, uh, he's gone. <laughs> I mean, he's gone. He's out of here. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how the spacing works with that. The Simmons at the four, I think it was harped on how many times by the people calling the games about Embiid having to get in the post. Yeah. It's where he's the most dominant. I think it's always been the complaint with this duo. So we'll see if Doc kind of talks to more and, and asks to try to give it a run. But I kind of I kind of think Daryl's going to make some moves. Yep. I do too. Definitely agree. One thing I do want to throw out before we move to our next segment here is for the Rockets, one name at center that I think could be good for them, not a big name, but good for them, is Aaron Baines. Good defensive center. And he's been lights out as a shooter from three in terms of big men past couple seasons. So if they can get a guy like that to where he's still floor spacer in that offense, it might let them run kind of what they're still trying to do with um, Westbrook and Harden. So that's one name that I got to throw out there. Um, we're going to touch on two teams specifically, the Boston Celtics and the Portland Trailblazers. And we're going to just talk about which team we think is more likely to make a move. Boston obviously ended in Eastern Conference Finals. Um, not where people, a lot of people I think predicted them to beat Miami Heat even during this kind of run that Miami had. And then we got Portland Trailblazers who had a magnificent bubble to claim that eight seed. But then once they got to the Lakers matchup, one game one just got really beat up there. Dame wasn't healthy. And that team just wasn't ready to take on number one seed Lakers. So um, start this off. We're going to throw it to Jack really quick. Jack, who do you think is more likely to make a move, the Celtics or the Blazers? Um, I, you know, I have a different question in mind. It's like what team needs to make a move more? And I definitely think it's the Blazers. Um, you look at some of the issues that we had. It, I mean, what was most striking was our perimeter defense. Um, Teams could shoot at will whenever they wanted to against us. Even teams that weren't good shooting teams, like we're just putting up numbers against us. I'll never forget Aaron Baines dropping 30-plus on us uh, back in it was either February or March. That was a tough game to watch. Um, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I think the team that's more likely to make a move, that's a tough question. I think both teams – um, do need to make a move. Um, and I think there's been that uh, discussion of a Hayward to Portland trade uh, that's been thrown out. And it's going to make a move together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's mutually beneficial as long as we give Boston the pieces they want, whatever that is. I mean, we got guys like um, 
Gary Trent Jr., who had a fantastic bubble. He's a great 3 and D wing. I know Ben would love to have that guy, fellow Dukey. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough because as a Blazer fan, I've watched how many off-seasons where we've stand pat and done nothing. And it's extremely frustrating because I want us to see us get better, especially when we have uh, one of the best point guards in the league in his prime, one of the best players in the league. And we're just not getting him enough help. And it's extremely uh, – it's excruciating to watch, actually, just to see it slip away. Um, I really hope Olshay is able to pull out a move and prove us wrong, um, maybe make that Hayward trade happen, get Boston, whatever they need, whether that's a center or what. Um, but, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think, to answer your question, both teams – are likely to make some type of move. So, Jack, in an ideal world, who do you want the Blazers to get in your ideal perfect world? What's your number one target? Perfect your- world? Like, in my extremely unrealistic world, it's Giannis. But, <laughs> yeah, that's not Oh, happening. we're shooting there. Shooting for the yeah. shooting. <laughs> I know. I thought you were going to give at least <laughs> somewhat realistic answer. Yeah. Like, but something realistic, I do think uh, I really liked uh, – that prospect of getting Gordon Hayward, just a guy that can bring up the ball, that can uh, pass it around, make things happen. Because one thing about the Blazers is we do not get a lot of assists. It is pretty much Dame Iso, CJ Iso, pick and roll, pick and pop. Uh, That's pretty much our offense. So, you know, getting a guy that can facilitate more and set up some of our shooters like Gordon Hayward and a guy that can create his own shot and knock shots down, that would be perfect for us. I mean, I would absolutely love to have like Gordon Hayward on our team. I think that's a great, like, really great point, um, especially with rumors that Gordon Hayward might opt out. Like, we don't even know uh, at this point if he's going to be on Boston's roster. Uh, Ben's shaking his head, shaking his head at me. But um, you don't know until the guy actually puts pen and paper and says, hey, I'm coming back this year. And so <laughs> – um, but I think the Celtics are more likely to make a move. It's Danny Ainge, and it's kind of just like the theme. I think we kind of talked about it earlier with Maury, too, but it's like he's more likely to make a move than Neil is, even though Portland might need a move more than Boston does, if that makes sense. So I think Boston's more likely to make a move, but touching on Jack's point there, I think Portland is in more need of a move than Boston. And what do you think? I'll, uh, think I'll tell team- you why. I'll tell you why I'm shaking my head no at you, Dan. Um, because of what – which just got announced. The season's going to start in December. It's a 70-game season. I think the rumors of Gordon opting out was because of the potential of a shortened season. And if there was a shortened season, he was going to miss out on a big chunk of his $34 million option. And for that, that wouldn't have made sense for him to resign when he could have signed a longer team deal for financial security and chosen where he wants to go. But I think now, knowing that all that $34 million is on the table because of the 70-game season, I think he's going to just opt back in because I, his game, yes, he's been injured a lot lately, but his game does like show one that can age gracefully. So I think he's going to opt in because all that 34 million is on the table now with the announcement that we're going to have a 70 million or a 70 game season. 
But I think Boston makes a move just because of roster space. They have three first-round picks, and they have to make a move. And I don't think they're going to draft and stash. So I think in the draft, we're definitely going to see them try to do something. Um, and then if Hayward does opt in, he definitely becomes available. But I think it's best-case It's best case scenario for him to opt in for Boston. They can't use that money that's on the books to sign anyone else. You're not going to be able to find a guy in the draft or on free agency at a discount. That's going to give you 17, like, four and five or whatever his numbers were, like, on 50% shooting from the field. Like, people don't understand how good he actually was this year in the fourth role. So, I think his value is definitely on a high. He could be kind of one of the top agents on the market if he did opt out because we all think Anthony Davis is going to stay. Brandon Ingram's a restricted free agent. So, we all think New Orleans is going to match that if they even let him get that far into free agency. Hayward could be like one of the top guys on the market again, just like he was when he signed with Boston. So if there's desperate enough teams, he could get another large offer. Who knows? But I think it will be interesting. I think now with that announcement of 70 games, though, I think he will opt in. I don't – because he's not going to get $34 million. So – but I think Boston makes a move just because of the draft picks. They don't have the roster space to bring in three rookies. So I think they're going to try to package that and at least move up somewhat in the draft or maybe just bring in a veteran. I think, I think, the, only way, I think the only way Boston makes a move is if there's a premier center on the market. I think that's the only way. I can see him going after maybe not premier center, but to throw a name out there like Miles Turner. Like he's not—I wouldn't call him like a premier center, but he's. Yeah, but no way you give up Gordon for Miles, though. That's my thing. Is like I think I think I sorry. Let me restate. I think if Gordon leaves, the only way they do that is for a premier center. So gotcha. if a Rudy Gobert was actually available, all of a sudden, if you were able to package two of those first and Gordon for Rudy, and then your starting lineup lines up as Rudy, Tatum, Jalen, Marcus, and Kemba. I mean, I, I don't want anything to do with that team. Uh, <laughs> nothing to do with that team. Um, but, yeah, I think, I, think, um, I think both teams are stuck in that always there but need a little extra space, unfortunately. Uh, whether it be injuries or whether it be external factors, I'm not saying they're not trying, but – um, I think Portland needs to look at Dame and CJ's clock a little bit, whereas Boston has the young duo coming up of Jalen and, and Jason. So I think Portland is more likely to make a move, but who knows? Who knows with Oshley? I'm going to back, gonna back up Ben here. Like coming up, I'm going to question you on. They're already here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, oh, sure, sure. They're already here. I mean, yeah, 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 sure. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, arguably best window win duo in the league you could say if not if the other option is obviously like Kawhi and Paul George but with people's Paul people's hate on Paul George after this postseason run like a lot of people might be picking Brown and Tatum over them right now um even though Kawhi is like that good so um let's jump into our next segment then um for this one we're going to talk about Victor Oladipo specifically and we're going to make this one a little bit quicker I just want your guys's opinion do you think he leaves Indiana this offseason? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's hear it. I think, I think, I think they, I think they go rebuild mode in Indiana. Um, I think they had a nice little bubble Warren or whatever you want to call him 
Um, and please, let's not forget his performance. But um, yes, I think I think Oladipo is in that weird category of like overrated, underrated. Like some days he's very, very underrated. And other days it's like, well, what does he actually give you? Is he a number one? Probably not. Is he a great number two? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think, I think he's gone. He might be gone draft night. Like if I, if I, if I want to make a bold prediction, it's a draft day prediction. I mean, what if the Timberwolves open that number one pickup? What if, what if the Warriors open that number one pick, number two pickup? To touch on that Timberwolves one, I'd be intrigued just from Minnesota's standpoint. If they want to vet and they want to compete now. I'd be intrigued by maybe getting a first round pick from Indy and Old Depot for exactly. that number one. That'd be and definitely you're looking at Russ Depot cat and yeah. still a first. Exactly. Um, so I, I think I think Depot Depot will be moved. I think his landing spots are kind of hard to see at the moment, but with reports saying he wants out, they already have to think about moving one of Turner or Sabonis probably just because that's not how the NBA is. Nowadays, it, we've seen it like we saw Philly try to do it with Horford and Embiid. Like you just, it's hard to have two bigs on the floor at the same time. It doesn't really matter how versatile they are; you just can't really sustain it. And they're both like great young bigs. Yeah. So, I think his his potential lane spot. I think Toronto's an interesting one. Maybe um, I don't know if they have the budget to kind of make that work. But if it were possible, I think he'd be really interesting there with Siakam and Lowry if you could somehow make that work. But I think it's just kind of hard to see his potential landing spots, but I think he does get moved. Absolutely. Yeah. Jack, what are you thinking? Does Old Depot stay or does he go this offseason? Yeah, I think – Is he going to get moved? Yeah, I think Old Depot's time in Indiana is at an end. I just don't think there's a place for him there now. Um Obviously, before his injury, he was electric, um, one of the more underrated stars in the league. But unfortunately, he did get hurt. And um, he's had moments where he's looked like the old depot of old, but also times where he hasn't been that same player. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Pacers do with him. Uh, Like you mentioned, I think he could be um, a draft night trade. just to see what the Pacers do. And um, I believe they fired Nate McMillan. uh, Mm -hmm. So they are going for a full rebuild. And I mean, who knows uh, if you'll get that same production out of TJ Warren, obviously his bubble performance was amazing, but that is a short period of games. We'll see if, We'll see if he can sustain that over a longer period of games, but um, if they want to try to build around him and, you know, get some pieces around him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But, yes, I do think Old Depot will get moved. Um, I think he's another target for, like, a team like the Heat. Um, I think he would be a great player to put aside Jimmy Butler um, to be that number two option. Plus, you got Bam out of bio down low. That's a pretty dangerous team. So, I, just I, think, think, the paces, I just think the Pacers have a bunch of – like twos and three options players. Like they don't actually have a one. Like, like they have Miles, he's great. They have Sabonis, he's great. They have Old Depot, he's great. But it's like none of them are number ones. Uh, And who knows, maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe all three of us, you know, maybe all four of us are wrong. And 
what they're actually trying to do is package Sabonis and Depot together to go get a premier premier star. Never know, you know, <laughs> you know, never know I, what. I think the only way they get a premier star is through trade or through the draft. If they hit on a draft pick, I, it's just hard seeing anyone sign in Indiana. Here's an interesting team to watch out for with, with Oladipo. What if the Sixers made a play for Oladipo? And all of a sudden you had Depot and Embiid. That would be interesting too. I think it would be a lot more interesting just from a spacing perspective if Depot can kind of come back this year and have a year similar to before the injury. You're looking at a really interesting team. I don't – I think it's just hard to tell if Depot can be your premier win player Mm -hmm. because we know Embiid, yes, he can really score on anyone, but it's hard to ask a big man to be your guy that's going to get the last bucket to end the game. It's just really challenging. You kind of need a win or a guard to be able to create for you because it's just outside of Jokic, I really don't know if there's a big man that can kind of you can ask that of. Finish up our episode here. Um, we're going to touch on obviously the biggest name in terms of potentially moving teams, and that's Giannis. Um, and so quickly here again, I want to hear from you guys. Do you think he stays in Milwaukee, signs that maybe Supermax extension, or do you think he's gone? Do you think it's just over for the Bucks in terms of getting him to stay with that franchise? I, I don't think, think it's over. Okay. <laughs> you go, man. Very, very different good. perspectives. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think it's over. I think Giannis, Giannis has shown that he's not your kind of stereotypical star. I mean, he doesn't work out with anyone outside of his brothers in the offseason. So, I think there's a little allure, but I don't think he's going to demand a trade this offseason because I don't know if he truly knows what he wants to do. So, when Milwaukee comes to him and is like, hey, are you coming back? If there's a slight possibility where he says yes, you can't trade him. Because mm-hmm. you're never – if you're Milwaukee, you're not going to get another guy like that for, Long who time. knows, maybe ever. Like, so, I just think – I don't think he's going to know what he wants to do at this point. And they have, like, they have shown that they can win. Maybe it's a coaching change. Budenholzer has not been great in the playoffs. So, and Giannis is young. He should be playing big minutes. If Luka can play, like, 40 minutes on a bum ankle, (laughs) the Raptors and Celtics players were averaging, like, 40 minutes apiece, and some of them were older, like Ibaka. So, Giannis should be playing big minutes, especially in the postseason. And I think it's not over because I don't think he knows what he exactly wants to do. And if you were to demand a trade, I don't know, outside of Miami, if there's anywhere he would want to go. I'm hoping not Golden State, personally. (laughs) But, no, I don't think it's over. I think Milwaukee still has a chance to keep him. It's just – it's going to take a lot. I think you're right in the sense that it's it's not over. I just don't think – I think the risk is so much – it's so scary for this one. Like, this is a big, scary risk. This is like – this is like Shaq-level leaving Orlando type of risk. Like, you just going to let him go? Like, if you don't get a ring, you just – bye-bye? And that's where I think they – 
they need to at least secretly field offers. They need to at least hear them because if, if someone is, if, if someone is offering a, a lottery pick this year or next year, plus a, a really good young player, plus supporting cast and things like that, you have to at least hear them out because they cannot afford. I mean, it's, it's the other side of what you said, Ben, they're never going to get a Giannis again in Milwaukee, but they're also never going to get Giannis again if he leaves. Like, so you're just going to let him go for free. So it's risk reward. And I think the risk is just too great. I mean, you're right with the coaching change. Maybe it's coaching change. Maybe, you know, he should be absolutely playing 40 plus minutes and things like that. But, you know, this is two straight years now where we're like, what's, where is he? What's happened in the playoffs? Do they have the team around them? What can they do? And their contracts on the book aren't great to go find other options to build, build a team around per se. Um, so I think, I don't know if he goes, but they have to at least listen to what people are, are offering. I'd probably agree with that too. Um, at least from your perspective, Johnny, like um, I can definitely see both sides. If I was personally running the bucks right now, I don't think I could trade Giannis. Like, mm. I think I'd have to do pretty much everything in my power to get a better team around him. Like, they're throwing out names like Chris Paul, right? Like, Chris Paul might not have a lot of years left, but this past year he looked pretty good still. Throw him out there with a Milton and Giannis, who knows? That team could maybe win it all. I could definitely see it. Hey, you um, only need one year, too. You only yep. need one, exactly. So, um, so that's what I think. As, as a GM – I think I just can't give up a guy like Giannis. Like, I think you have to pretty much ride it out with him because even if you do trade him, anything you get back for him is not going to be as good as, as Giannis. Like, I mean, look at the Pelicans and AD, right? Like, that trade that the Pelicans got, everyone was, like, raving about it. Like, oh, look, this is a great deal, great deal. But Brandon Ingram, even though he could maybe be an all-star for years to come, he's, I don't think he's going to get to AD's level of player. Like, AD is a top 10 player. Ingram would have to climb that ladder to essentially, like, be there and be there for a while. Because ADs have kind of been in that conversation for a while, too. And so, I think it's just, like, you're giving up a guy. Like, you're not going to get that value back. Yes, you'll get something back instead of nothing, which is better. I get that. But then it's, like, I'd rather go – I'd rather push all my chips in the table, be like, Giannis, we're going to do everything possible we can to keep you and show you that we're committed to winning. And then it's just like, if he leaves, like you, you recover, right? You do what you can. But I just think having a talent as good as Giannis, like you have to try to win it with him there. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to know, like get rid of him and be like, Hey, we could have maybe done this better. We could have maybe done that. Like, I want to be, if he leaves, like I want to be able to say, Hey, we did everything we could to try to keep this guy. Yeah, it's definitely like a let's trade everyone else before him, but, you know, let's make every move before him. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's weird, right, what NBA players say. They say, oh, we don't want – you know, he doesn't work out with everyone and he's not interested in this and that. And then Kawhi goes and makes a super team this year. Kawhi sounded eerie familiar to what Giannis was saying and things like that, and it's like – Okay, I think there's always a lure for a ring. I mean, at this rate, Giannis is going to be the greatest player ever not to win a ring if he never gets one. Simple as that. So, <laughs> you know. 
That's a good point. Jack, what are you thinking? You thinking Giannis is more likely to leave or stay? Yeah, I think at this point, I agree with what you said. I don't think you can trade him just because of how good he is. I mean, uh, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year. Like, I don't, who do you get on the market that's as good as Giannis? I mean, I just don't know who you can trade. Um, I think at this point you do the best you can to build around him and get a guy like Chris Paul, like you said, uh, a veteran point guard um, who can still ball, as we saw this past year, um, leading OKC on an unprecedented run to the playoffs. Um, extremely impressive. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the best you can do at this point unless he does decide to leave and go to a contender because he wants to win. But he's also said that, like, he's the type of guy who uh, wants to do it on his own. So, I mean, we'll see if he can truly um, stick to his word and do that um, and just depend on Milwaukee to get him the help he needs to do that because clearly the past few years in the playoffs, um, like something hasn't worked. Um, Whatever it is, it just hasn't. And I think as he develops more and gets a better jump shot, like that'll be easier in some ways um, just to be more reliable of a player. I mean, he's still very young and is a two-time MVP. Uh, That's uh, very promising prospects for him. So, I mean, uh, we'll see what the Bucs can do. Um, But I think he is staying as of this year. Um, We'll see what happens this next year if they don't get over the hump, then I can see him leaving. But I do think he's going to stay this year. I think it's something interesting that Jack mentioned was Toronto. So it's going to be difficult because if he does want out, that hurts your team's trade value because teams are only going to really trade for him if he's going to re-sign there or at least give give everything if he's going to re-sign. So, but he mentioned Toronto. We saw what they did with Kawhi for that one year. So if there's a team, and Jack like threw this out there as far as his dream, like Portland, if they're willing to just give everything for just one year. Get Dame and Ray. I mean, it's like it, – but that's only going to happen if he demands a trade. And if they can't figure that out or if they can't get him somewhere where he has like a short list of teams that he wants to go to, and Portland maybe calls him and it's like, hey, take CJ, take Nark, take like take it all or first, whatever you want, like, and just get us Damon – Giannis, or some team like that kind of comes out of nowhere and is like, hey, we don't care if you leave after this year. We just want to see if we can win one with you and our best player. Yep. So that's something to watch, but it's only something that could happen if he does demand a trade. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on here as far as uh, we get closer to the season and get past the draft and free agency and things like that. That does wrap up our um, sixth episode here, guys. Thank you for tuning in to The Pickup. Make sure to like, subscribe, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. And please post in your comments what you think about some of our segments today. Who do you think is more likely to blow it up? Rust and Harden or Embiid and Simmons? Who's more likely to blow it up as well? And then um, which teams are more likely to make a move? Celtics, Blazers, and post your free agency predictions as well. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is The Pickup.